0: What's going on, everybody? We're back with another Sunday
1: Talk. It's episode 11, right? 11? Episode, I think, 11. Yeah, it's 11 now.
0: Already 11 wait, wait, no, Sunday no, no, no. Talks?
1: Oh, yeah, it's 11. Episode
0: 11. Episode 11, yeah. Already 11 Sunday Talks. That's freaking crazy. Um, Got a lot of really, really juicy questions that I'm super excited to get into. Um, so, yeah, we'll just jump right into it. So, our first question, um, you know, Ben Simmons been talking talk of the town talk of the country lately just everyone you know dumping on him I'm certainly someone that has vouched for Ben Simmons on this podcast but now it's it's really hard to defend him I think you know you can't deny like the defense and the playmaking but it's just like it's not real like it's just not a great fit with Philly it's tough to see his confidence you know just drop and I think he's someone that was a re- this was like the centerpiece of a James Harden trade, you know, at the beginning of the season. Now his, you know, uh, his stock has just plummeted. Um, so that's kind of what we're getting into with this question from our boy Mason thoughts on the warriors draft picks, which we have the seventh and the 14th draft pick uh, for Ben Simmons to the warriors. Uh, I'll let you get into this. Cause I, I got a strong opinion on this, but you go.
1: All right. So, I'm going to talk about the Warriors, and I also have another trade scenario that I just heard about that I think would make perfect sense. So we're going to talk about the Warriors first. I think a situation that would make sense, you know, it probably is going to be a pretty decent trade when you think about it, but let's say something, you know, let's say the value of him is pretty bad. Let's do the Warriors trade the seventh overall pick. I say they do a conditional pick in the first round uh, in a year uh, year or two later. Uh, they throw in Andrew Wiggins, and they throw in Eric Paschal. So I think – and maybe Nico Mannion. You throw in another young guard, so that adds to it. I think how Ben Simmons would have to fit in this team, you got to run him at the five, which makes it really difficult because you already have James Wiseman. but Or you run him at the four and make him replace Draymond Green, who – You would see a huge increase because Draymond Green isn't that much of a spacer anymore. And James Wiseman is a guy who can become that kind of spacer. So maybe, you know, you find a way, I don't know what the contracts add up to because I'm pretty sure Wiggins has a pretty hefty contract that would match that of Simmons. Maybe you send Draymond to another team for some draft capital, a guy who can still be a super critical franchise cornerstone on a championship team. I've been seeing people talking about how Portland would use a player like Draymond Green I think anyone can use a player like Draymond Green, but me as a Warriors fan would hate to see it go. I also would love to see a player like Ben Simmons come in, have elite defense like Draymond Green, and also be able to, you know, be super athletic, you know, dish the ball out like Draymond does, and, you know, really get that youth movement if we're going to you know, in the end, running with players like you know, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, and a Ben oh, Simmons I really love I love Jordan
0: Poole. I mean, he struggled his rookie year, but he really, really came on the, the end of the season. He looked fantastic in some of
1: exactly. Season. And then if you were to have the 14th overall pick, a thing that we're gonna be talking about in the podcast will be getting into a 2021 NBA mock draft. Looking at the players that I are gonna, doing my research, man, that are going to be around there, you might want to go after, you know, a guard like Trey Mann, who everyone's been raving about because we've seen what his brother's been doing so far. Or, you know, you'd be able to pull it out and you get some guy like James. Wait, 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 wait! They're brothers? No way! Yeah, they are. The no. guard out of the point guard out of Florida. Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah,
0: yeah, Trey Mann. Yeah, he was a rock. big time high school talent. No way. I mean. Obviously, same last name. No way! Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Trey Man's a bucket.
1: Yeah, and then if not, you don't get Trey Man. I think a guy who's really been rising with draft boards. You go after someone like James Buchnight, who's one of the best scorers in college basketball. A on guy upside. out of UConn, correct? If I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. UConn. Yeah. Where's oh, my boy UConn. Jacob?
0: Where's Jacob? But I haven't. I haven't done that
1: much research yet. Where is? Where is he in draft boards? What What was the first name again on that? Uh, Josh Christopher, Jacob. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's lower down the boards. Or he, you even go after a, a Sharif Cooper, a guy out of Auburn who's been getting a lot of hype recently. Honestly, I've been starting to learn a lot more out of this podcast. He's not
0: 6'4". I'm sorry. We talked about that in our Instagram group chat. He's not 6'4". There's no way. Oh, yeah. That dude's got insoles in his shoes or something. I mean, no discredit. I love Sharif Cooper, too. He's one of my favorite, like, mixtape players. I mean, he was incredible at Auburn. I mean, that uh, – I don't know how to pronounce his high school team, but his high school team with him and Isaac Acora was
1: disgusting. You um, played on the same has... high school team and the same college team? No, they, they oh. missed
0: each other in college. Like, Acora
1: was like – Oh, yeah, I thought yeah no him. yeah, Because Akora was one and done. My bad. But they went to the same college, though? That's crazy.
0: Yeah, same college, same high school. Dude, their team went, like, undefeated. They were, like, the best team in
1: okay. the country. Okay. Well, Before I derail from this, talking about prospects, have you seen the 2020 Mountain Verde squad and how stacked they were? Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and Moody, and they still have all these guys, the number four prospect in the 2022 class. They have all these guys. Like the worst player on their team some like four-star who's going to like, I think it was Purdue or something, like the 60th overall player. Like that is crazy you talking about high school basketball for a second, but.
0: No, yeah, that Montverde is, like, one of the best teams. Like, it has to be ever. I mean, they didn't get a chance to, like, really, like, show themselves. They didn't get Geico or anything because of COVID. But, yeah, on paper, like, that team is, like, th- three guys that are, you know, going to go maybe top ten. Top ten, top yeah.
1: 10 yeah. All right, um, but talk about the Warriors. To, talk about Ben Simmons. What do you guys say? Yeah, we back to our original subject. I, I love
0: talking high school hoops. It's just weird. Real quick, though, it's weird, like – for, for us now, because, like, I was so huge in high school hoops. Obviously, while I was still in high school. So, seeing guys like Trey Young, Michael Porter Jr., uh, you know, Shea, like, all these guys, like, like ball out in the NBA is, like, so spe- Even, like, LaMelo. Like, that, like dude, that's been, like, our guy, like, all of high school. Like, seeing all these high school guys go off is incredible. It just feels weird now that I'm older than the, those guys now. Really, really weird. It's real. Anyways, Ben, it's, a tu- it's tough because he – I think if you replace him with Draymond Green, yes, he's much younger. Uh, I think we can both agree a better player than Draymond now, even though they do similar stuff. But you just can't, like, you just can't factor in, like, Draymond's, you know, connection and his, you know, chemistry with Clay and Seth. I mean, no one knows those guys better than Draymond. Draymond knows exactly where those guys are going to be on the floor. Whereas, you know, Ben might have more talent younger, but you just can't you just can't make up for that chemistry and that time together. And I just think that you can't play Ben and Draymond at the same time. Cause I mean you're practically running with a three on five on on offense. It's just the spacing, you know, you basically don't really have to guard Draymond and Ben. At least Draymond, you know, has the potential to knock down a three. Um, you know, Ben obviously isn't shooting it. So that that would be really tough. I I mean defensively would be would wreak havoc. That would be incredible. And, and, you know, their transition playmaking would be amazing, but I think the half court offense would look really bad. Um, so I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you'd I think you'd have to replace Draymond with Ben for this to work. And then I'd be down to do it because I think, um, you know, you, you give Ben that spacing, give him that shooter. I, I really just want to see Ben on a new team. Um, you know, because I still I still have some hope for him. I think it's just all in his head right now. I, if I'm Philly or who, Ben Simmons' circle, I'm looking for the absolute best sports uh, psychologist in the in the world right now to help to help my guy. Because you can clearly see, you know, you're not passing up a wide open dunk because you know you think this guy's gonna get a better angle at it. Like that, it's all mental. Um, and I, you know, I, I really want to see him. You know, get back on track. Um, but I just think the three-on-five offensively and the lack of spacing, it just makes it tough. Um, I don't know. What, what what was your trade package that
1: you were going to bring up? For the Warriors? Oh, no, the other one I was talking about? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I already mentioned the Warriors one with, like, Andrew Wiggins and stuff. But the other package that I was thinking about, send them to Chicago. You do a sign-in trade with Laurie Markkinen. You give them some spacing. Or you don't even vo- take Laurie in the trade. You give them Kobe White. A really good point guard who, Carson, you've mentioned in the uh, series where we went over teams off seasons, doesn't really fit in the Chicago team. You know, you put Ben Simmons out there with Zach Levine, a much better defensive pairing, and you can propel them easily into the East with three All Stars: Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, and Ben Simmons. And if you manage to keep Patrick Williams and even Lori it, or if not, you run Thaddeus Young out there. That's a really good team in the East. I think they're going to be, that's a Hawks kind of team, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I actually really like that. Just the, the only, I got two things on that. One, I feel like, like, it's just really, at first, I'm like, damn, like, all, all you're getting is Laurie Markkinen for for Ben Simmons, basically. But then I'm like, that's how much his stock has dropped, like, to the fact that you're, you know, picking up Laurie Markkinen. Um, I think, dude, that'd be perfect. I mean, especially like I would rather see Laurie on the Sixers because I think Kobe White is just like, you know, I think you kind of have that player and Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Um, but I, st- Laurie would be. I think that would be a fantastic fit next to Embiid in the front court, uh, and would, you know, help their spacing so much. Um, yeah, that would be incredible. I mean, Patrick Williams and Ben Simmons defending on the perimeter. You have Levine, who you know can take those shots. Uh, you know, in crunch time, uh, who's, you know, really, really proven himself to be, he can go toe-to-toe with any score in the league, oh. I feel like um, he's proven that uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, Vucevic, who doesn't, you know, can get buckets inside, uh, you know, great dump off for Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons driving the lane, and also, you know, Vucevic can, you know, pop from the three, uh, A you know, great pick and roll partner, um, which I think we all wanted to see from him and Joel, but just, you know, didn't happen. Um, I, I really like that, and they, yeah, that would be like really solid defensively. I, I like that. Hey. His own, like, it, and I guess it would it would be his own team, but like not really because it's really like Levine's team. But like, I I like that fit.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing that like like would loom over him is you come to Chicago, another star coming to Chicago. It's always that you know Michael Jordan. Can they be the next great Chicago Bulls team? I think that'd be the only thing. But at the same time, like, it's a small enough. I mean. It's a big market, but at the same time, it's a small enough NBA market franchise since the Bulls have been gone for him to be able to succeed, not in the flashlight, of in the limelight of being in Philadelphia, part of the process, the number one pick, you know, the Mountain Verde uh, legend, all that stuff. But also, going back to high school real quick, I just got super surprised. I'm four days older than Jalen Green, and this guy could go top three in the draft. (sighs) And, uh, dude, he, remember when he almost came to, there was rumors he was coming to Medeso Christian? Bro, that's crazy. He's also from Merced, California, which Carson, you know, is literally 40 minutes away from right now, which is ridiculous. So.
0: Yeah. Real quick, um, one more thing about the Chicago. I think we saw with the Vucevic trade that they are in win-now mode, even though they didn't end up winning now. Um, and I think Ben Simmons propels that even more. And I think with the addition of him, you know, makes them the team that, like you said, could actually, you know, be like a top four or five seed and compete in the playoffs in the East. um I think that the bet if they made that trade and actually got Ben Simmons, that's the move that actually propels them. The what I think they thought they were getting when they got Vucevic, what they thought their team was going to end up. So yeah. I, I really like that. I think that, yeah. Uh, I think they I'm would. All, I'm in. And
1: Laurie on the Sixers too. I'm all in. I mean, I think Chicago to be the team in that, they have to keep Laurie, though. I feel like Laurie would be – so if they could get Kobe White to go to Philadelphia or even maybe do a three-team trade where they get get Kobe right, I don't think Kobe White and Simmons could work well because I'd rather see Simmons work the point there and then have – Kobe would have to come off the bench. Yeah, so, like, I mean, you could put Simmons at the four and then keep Kobe White at the one, but that's just too many ball handlers. I think if you have Laurie, you know, he's just going to sit there and shoot. you got – Patrick Williams is going to sit there, shoot dry sometimes and be a lockdown defender. You know, let's say, you know, that really, you know, that'd be it's kind of like a Golden State Warriors vibe in a way where you think, you know, you got your lockdown defender, like an Andre Guadalupe when they were good. Um, You got your, you know, your Steph Curry-esque player in a Zach Levine, who's going you to be your dominant scorer. And then you have your Draymond Green with your, um as your uh, Ben Simmons role. Ben Simmons, and it, yeah. It's a little bit different because like Nikola Vucevic would be like, almost like a Clay Thompson hybrid with like, is that Lori Mark in it? I don't know. I think if the Hawks are at this point where they're already in the Eastern conference finals, why can't, you know, the bulls? I see, that-
0: I see the vision. You're, you're reaching a little bit, my guy, but I do see the vision.
1: Uh, you always got to, you got to compare. I mean, honestly, there's super reaches in that, but I think in the East, anything's possible.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I would, I, that Chicago team would be very intriguing. I would love that actually. Um, okay. So next one, big tangent, but it's okay. Uh, next one game four thoughts. So we're just going to unpack, you know, we would probably do this on another episode anyways, but we're just throwing this into the Sunday talk. Uh, we're going to unpack game four. Uh, I'm going to start off with my first point and we got to give a, a big, big love fest to Deandre Ayton, who was phenomenal. I mean, he was the, I mean, he was the best player that game, his best player before the floor that game. He was the MVP. I mean, just incredible, man. I mean, like offensively, I never see this guy take a bad shot. He always lets the game come to him. Um, he never forces shots. He, you know, I mean, that's, you know, contributing to the fact that he shoots like 70%. This playoffs, ridiculous. He's it's, It seems like he's always like 10 for 13 or like 10 for 14 or like 11 for 15. It's ridiculous. You know, great offensively. Beasts on the boards. I mean, it seemed like this guy was, like, grabbing every rebound. And nine
1: offensive rebounds.
0: Nine offensive rebounds and making the Clippers pay for small ball, basically forcing them to play zoo box, And just defensively, too, I mean, you know, four blocks. Felt like he had, like, ten blocks, um, altering a ton of shots. Um, and then, you know, even when he got out in the perimeter, you never really saw anyone blow by him. He kept everyone in front of him you know, funneled them to help, help side. Just, he played like all around, just like a beautiful game and really like the main, I think the main reason why they won because Booker and Paul, you know, obviously the other you know, free throws late uh, were super clutch, but they both, you know, really struggled. We're having a hard time. I mean, Aiden was phenomenal. This was the best game. He, I mean, he's had a lot of great games. This playoffs, he's really just, you know, up, you know, went up a level, but this was his best game. He was fantastic i mean it was amazing to watch like oh my gosh
1: mm-hmm. no yeah so i'll just add on to it i mean like you're saying if aiden it go, even goes beyond the box score he had the highest plus minus out of the game with a plus eight and you know plus oh that's not that high this game was 84 to 80 there was not that much scoring if there was more scoring his block block box plus minus would have been a now, this lot was a higher very,
0: like old school game this was like late 90s like early 2000s like type of type of playoff yeah.
1: game which like not a
0: lot of people were probably hate on but i, I was and i was like enthralled with this game it was super competitive um like i, I actually really enjoyed it it was, a, it was a nice change of pace from what we usually get i mean obviously i want to see all the buckets and stuff but this was just like a cold like fight to the like fight to the death like just clawing it out like it was grueling but it was like yeah. entertaining at the same time
1: and it came down to the, I mean, it came down to the wire. And like you said, the shooting percentages were terrible: thirty-six percent from the Suns, thirty-two and a half from the Clippers. But like, like you're a lot talking,
0: there was a lot of rebounds to go around.
1: Yeah, fifty-nine by the Suns, fifty-one by the Clippers. Uh, you do not see that in the NBA a lot of times. But uh, no, just continually looking at this game. I mean, Devin Booker fouled out, but still had, you know, he scored a lot of points. He didn't really be efficient with it. So. Um, but you know Chris Paul still brought his um, his best game for being injured. But again, those two guys each shot they shot forty four shots combined and made fourteen. That's not that's like get you a win in the playoffs, especially if they go against a team like the Bucks or the Hawks. They're not going to be able to beat that uh, them if they're shooting that terribly uh, with the offensive talent on both sides of those teams. But um, otherwise, Mikel Bridges also played a really solid game. Was able to get thirteen rebounds, uh, two steals. Uh obviously yeah. played some good defense holding someone like Paul George to five for 20 shooting. Um but then again, you know, Paul George has not played well the last two games, if I'm correct. I think he's been really bad on his three pointers, which is something he needs to look at. Um, some players I think should be playing more. Luke Kennard, yeah. like you mentioned, he hasn't played enough. He had a the best plus minus, he had a plus five on the team, didn't play. And even Terrence Mann, I mean, they're running at the small ball team so that they can have someone out there to guard Devin Booker, but I don't know about it. I mean, maybe small ball is the way. Maybe they have to force Aiden to be in that Rudy Gobert role. I mean, they're not going to be able to shoot the three pointers to the efficiency that they were in that game six versus the Utah Jazz in the quarterfinals. But they got to see, I mean, the semifinals, but they got to see what they can do. Um, I think going into Phoenix for this next game, I want to lock it in that the Suns make it to the finals next game. I think it's pretty straightforward. They have all the riding on them, and they didn't even get the best games out of their best two players. Um, but, like you're talking about with stretches, the most biggest stretch that I did here, I mean, I, obviously Aiden played a great game. It's a little bit of recency bias, but they compared him to David Robinson there on Sports Center at the end. But this guy's going to be a top five center next season, though. So I wouldn't put it past him.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the David Robinson, yeah, definitely like I'm, I mean, definitely a, a little stretch right now just because, yeah, the recency bias. But I mean, he did, I mean, It's well-earned because he had a freaking incredible game. I mean, he, like, was basically, like, flawless, like, in all aspects of the game. He played just such a a well-rounded game. Uh, I think, you know, when you compare him to guys like, you know, like David Robinson, Hakeem, those guys, I think offensively, he's just much, much, much more limited than, you know, much, much more limited than those guys. But I think just, like, the defense, the rebounding, it's all just, like, super super high level and you're right i mean this guy's going right into i mean you know that top five center i think it's going to be you know jokic and bead and then for like you know the third best center it's like um, it's going to be tough like not to argue for eight and you know and then yeah talent in these next few years it's going to be hard to not uh, you know vouch for for eight just the way he's been playing that's the level he he got to um yeah i agree with you like game five i mean you're going back to phoenix i don't think that uh You know, Booker and CP3 shoot that terribly um, at home. Um, I think a lot of it was just, you know, they're super tired. The Clippers played great. Both teams played incredible defense. I mean, that's why we got such a low-scoring game. And I think it was a combination of really, really good defense and also just, like, really, really tired uh, guys. Um, You know, just I think both sides. I mean, there was not no easy shots. And the Suns, I mean, Crowder and Payne, you know, played pretty poorly. Uh, didn't really get much out of them. Um, but I think one thing I want to mention real quick that I, I really want to see in that game five, I think it's going to be a big factor. And, you know, the Suns getting that win, like you said, at home, it's just picking up the pace, man, because like, you know, I think they let the Clippers off the hook slightly, you know, when they don't play with that same upbeat pace that they usually do. I think in the first half, that's like really like what won them the game. I mean, the first half they, you know, you saw early that they they picked up the pace. You know, again, a lot of points in transition, uh, you know, just a lot of quick baskets. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of how they staged that comeback the Clippers did in the second half, just the, they weren't playing with the same pace. But I think if they just pick it up, don't play it as slowly, like that's really like the key for them, uh, I feel like, you know, this, in this next game um, and if, you know, they continue game six and game seven. Um, and then the free throws too. I mean, the the Suns are like an incredible free throw shooting team. I mean, they got into like a. The Clippers yeah, were bad. Yeah, and the Clippers were really bad, like sixty five percent bad. Um, they got into like a basically like a a, a penalty kick shootout at the end. You know, just like you know your you know your free throws versus my free throws, and you know they shot eighty five percent, and that, that was like I feel like the you know the stretch they had in the second quarter where they had that big time run, and then the free throws at the end were like two biggest reasons why they ended up winning that game so you got anything else
1: Nah, I think we just gotta wait till tomorrow night it's gonna be an absolute banger of the game six o'clock um, pacific standard time I'm gonna be rushing my butt home from work to watch that game
0: I know I'm so excited um, all right next question uh, a great question by the way uh, like one of my favorite questions I think we've gotten so far from our boy chase do sports analysts like Stephen A and Max have that much control over public opinion on players Great question. I I love this. I I like got I'll let you go first because I I got a lot. I'm sure you have a lot, too. But
1: yeah, I mean, my boy Chase, he hit the nail in the coffin here. I think when you talk about players like they can say whatever they want, like they're going to have people have all these opinions, these players that are just out of this world. I mean, let's talk about a guy like Stephen A. Smith, who came out the other day. And we were talking about this on the pod, I believe, a guy that, who I love so much ever since his rookie season I went to one of his games, Donovan Mitchell. He called him the best player in Utah Jazz history. I want to remind you guys that, you know, despite his allegations, Carl Malone and John Stockton are much better than him all time. I even would put Mark Eaton above him all time. Um there's a lot of guys that put above him all the time because he hasn't played enough games yet to, you know, solidify himself with that. And now everyone thinks, oh, like they're going to overrank players and such like that. You know, sports analysts, people just take what they say and don't really like digest it. They just really, – they, they take it straight down, just go straight down into their heads and they take it how it is. I think, you know – these opinions of them, because they're the guys that you look for. I think, you know, when you become – you know, you're a casual sports fan when all you do is hear from these sports analysts and what they have to say. But you really become a real fan when you dive into the analytics and see, man, like this guy isn't really that good. You know, like – Watch the games. That's it. Exactly. Watch the games. See all game shows everything, you know. Actions are more powerful than numbers in this situation, so I mean, even like a guy like Tatis, I thought Tatis was some amazing fielder until I realized he was terrible at it because all everyone talks about is how hyped up this guy is. And you know, even public, hey, opinion, all you see is the flashy plays and the you know, the backhand dives and whatnot, Sports Center, but yeah, like, yeah, and then just, just finishing it off real quick, even on media, you know, there's players that are controlled that like they always focus on, you know, go on MOB there's going to be a Tatis home run or a Vladdy home run because those are the favorite people right now that can gravitate the most box office. You know, when LaMelo Ball went out and then LeBron wasn't playing, they went back to Zion Williamson That's because that's how it rolls. There's always a rotation of people. Patrick Mahomes is always going to be on NFL Instagram no matter what happens, even if someone like a lesser Matthew Stafford playing in Detroit is doing the same things. I mean, it's how meat it is. That's why, you know, Smaller people like us, we got to be the ones to tell you guys that, you know, there's players out there that are doing just as much. Uh, and you got to realize that some of these big name players are a lot more, you know, overrated uh, than they are is these great players that people like Stephen A, Max Coleman, and the guy that I really love and Colin Coward that I watch a lot about, you know. I love Colin. Colin.
0: Even though Colin has some like outrageousness, I like he, he does have some really good takes sometimes. And yeah. I love like some of the like, That's get Segments he does. He has some really, like, creative
1: segments. He's a super creative guy, but I mean, like, this man dick rides the fuck out of Sam Darnold. Like, bro. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I want Sam Darnold to be good, but, like. He hates Baker. He hates Baker. Oh, and he hates Baker, but Baker's a winner. He's a Jimmy Garoppolo plus, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Why hate on a a guy who's winning games?
1: I mean, you can build a team around a quarterback where all you have is the most elite running game in the NFL. I mean, they don't even need Odo Beckham on that team, and they're going to be contending for a Super Bowl this year. But I'll hand it off to you.
0: Yeah, no, you you made some really good points. Um, I think one thing, it's even like, you know, with analysts like Stephen A. Smith and Max, I think, you know, like Tim Legler is a guy that I love seeing after these uh, after these ESPN games who just breaks down film really well. He gives it to you straight up. But that's not popular, like, in today's sports media. It's like, you know, you don't want to see, you know, just like, like – here, here's what's going on and like explaining it. It's like, there's always like, you know, kind of the clickbait and like just saying stuff like, like I saw Stephen A. Smith say like, Oh, like Devin Booker's like the next Kobe. Like, obviously mm-hmm. like Booker has like, you know, some Kobe in him. He has, you know, great footwork. He's got the fades. he's got incredible touch, obviously. Cause he you know, he, that's his idol. He grew up watching him. He's obviously going to have a little bit of Kobe in him, but I mean, it's like, you can't and it's like, like the Donovan Mitchell thing too. It's like, like, Maybe like talent wise, you know, you can maybe throw them up in there with those two legends, but it's like, what are you talking about all time like I mean he hasn't even gotten to a finals yet at least you know those two got to a couple finals and they you know, were super consistent for so long. Um, so I think for the general fan I think guys like Stephen A. Max, um, I think they do have a lot of public opinion, because you know that's all you see you know you see them all over social media your TV, you know you see their clips on YouTube they're very loud and they can create narratives that know may not be true, but they just get people talking and discussing, which in turns, you know, usually kind of ends up being like the narrative for that player. Like, you know, like an example, like if, you know, both Stephen A and Max, you know, say this certain player is you know lazy, you know, even though he might not be, he might not actually be, if you actually watch the film and see how this guy plays, you know, maybe you know he actually tries on defense and whatnot. Everyone's going to talk and discuss, you know, over and over again, because, you know, it's just like, it's just everywhere that this guy's lazy and that ends up becoming the narrative just because everyone's just saying it, even though it might not be true. Um, but I think for, you know, guys like us and, uh, you know, if you just, you know, watch, watch the games, you, you know, a little bit more knowledgeable than the average fan. Um, I don't really think so because I think you can really differentiate. You know, you can tell when these guys are, you know, making kind of like clickbait moves. Um, you're trying to, you know, say stuff to get people discussing. Um, and I think you're able to see, you know, the takes from guys like that and really just agree or disagree or see like, Oh, like, come on, like, this is like blasphemy, you know? Um, and you're able to base your own opinions uh, just by watching the games, honestly. And it it is, you're exactly right, bro. They have a ton, a ton of, you know, public, you know, they they shape narratives on a lot of players. And when, you know, it's just on you to, choose to you know agree with them or not it's really just like you agree or disagree and you know that's it but you shouldn't you should take those guys because like guys like that like they have a lot of different sports to cover so they know oh a lot like they know like a little bit about each little thing but they're not like you know experts on like one certain thing you know like you just have to take like guys like that with a grain of salt you know
1: Exactly. Like, I can't go out here and say I know everything about baseball because I don't, because that's not my sports. Like, I I can say I know enough about basketball. I probably know the most about basketball and then second football. But, like, if I start going to other stuff, like, I'm probably going to start saying some bullshit that, like, it's not going to make sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I played baseball for a long time. Like, I know, like, you know, the ins and outs and whatnot. But, I mean, I don't keep up with it enough to give you, like, a, you know, a a strong, you know, a strong – facts and statements on certain, whether certain guys are good or not. Like I just don't follow it enough. Like I used to. So, but yeah, this was a great question. Shout out chase, man. And we got a, a, we got another question from chase. Uh, at what point do Dames teammates start to start to take accountability for becoming better players shots, shots at the whole Portland organization, the whole roster. Um, I don't really think it's necessarily his teammates being better. I just don't really think they have the talent. Like when I look at the roster, like I just don't look at them and see like a final. I They're exactly what they've been. I see them as like a first or second round exit with, you know, if a few key players, like, like this playoffs, like, you know, if like, you know, a top player gets injured here and, you know, a few breaks and, you know, maybe Dane can go on like this like legendary run to get to the finals or something. And, you know, that's, Uh, you know, not out of the realm of possibility, but I just don't really look at this Blazers team and see, you know, a final, you know, because I think there's still a lot of talent on this roster. I mean, I love Norman Powell. Obviously, you got CJ, um, but I just don't really see a contender with this team.
1: Yeah, I'm going to read you some stats real quick. 20 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds, and 4.2 assists, Uh, two blocks and a a steal and a half. What NBA player do you think first 36 numbers that are? Okay, one more time. One even a half points per game, 13 and a half rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.3 steals, and two blocks a game. Would you consider that player to be an elite player? Per 36? Yeah.
0: Yeah, those are great numbers. That's Yusuf,
1: that's Yusuf Nurkic. If Yusuf Nurkic was playing 36 minutes a game in his 2018 19 season when he played 72 games, 27 minutes a game that year, I think they had Ennis Cantor on the roster. A guy who's a super talented big man. Let's not get it wrong. There was a serious debate whether or not to have him or Nikola Jokic in Denver. I mean, I'm going to be a guy. I thought they should have kept Yusuf Nurkic at the time. I thought Yusuf Nurkic was a fantastic big man, and you know, lucky for them, they didn't. They cut the guy who just went
0: here You would have been fired from the GM spot.
1: I would have been fired from the GM spot. But I mean, even in 2019, 2020, when he only played eight games, uh, he played 32 minutes a game. You know, averaging 17 and a half points, four assists, and 10 rebounds. Where's this? You know, where's this Yusuf Nurkic when we need him? He's not healthy. That's the problem. I mean, he's a guy who should be delivering at an all-star caliber at the center position. I think he should be a guy. Why can't he be a top five center? What's holding him back? You know, he's slowly developing a jump shot, but it's just blasphemy to see a guy like him not bring it to the table. And then don't get me started on CJ McCollum. Honestly, he's a Sparell guard. And I mean, he can't create to the level of a guy like Damian Lillard. And then I can look up at his playoff stats. I know it was just horrendous this season. I mean, yeah, so we'll look at uh, his, it. Was,
0: uh, it was bad this first round.
1: Versus Denver. Um, uh, let's just dive into it. He played forty minutes a game, only averaging twenty points on forty four percent shooting and thirty-three from three. A guy who had a historic shooting season, I believe, in the uh what season was that? Uh I think it was in twenty sixteen. He was 17. he was
0: red hot to start the year this year, and then he uh he got injuries, but he yeah, was like but, a
1: crazy season he had a crazy true shooting percentage. If I can find what it was. Um, I don't know. He's a good shooter though. And that's the fact he wasn't doing that. And they got rid of a guy in Gary Trent. Actually, I know they got Norman Powell, but Gary Trent was playing ridiculous. I think, It just doesn't make sense. I think there's a lot of things. I don't think Terry Stotts is the reason. I think Terry Stotts might be a little bit of an overrated coach, but if they're winning games, what's the problem? I think you got to, you know, you got to blame the GM at some point if they're able to bring enough talent in around him. But at the same time, the people on the roster aren't playing up to the, you know, it's on them. You know, why can't Zach Collins become the project? He's been able to be a project label for the last how many years he's been in the NBA because he's always been one. So, you know, it might be time for them to get rid of Dame. I don't think it's this roster can go anywhere with it. And I think it's time for Dame to move on. As much as he's been a loyal player, nobody in Portland should burn his jersey because he did everything for them.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, you know, just, I mean, there can only be one champion. Like, and you know, there's just a lot of teams. It's just like, you know, obviously everyone, you know, thinks they're like a move or two away from getting in that finals. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of teams that are just in that that mediocre space that, you know, are going to the playoffs every year, but they're losing the first, second round. I mean, they're, ha- those teams have to exist. Like it's, it's sad for, you know, the, I was just in Portland a few days ago. It's sad for the, you know, Portland natives, but it's just like the, re- the reality. And, you know, you, you brought up Nurkic who, uh, you know, just like you said, just showed incredible flashes. Um, it, I think half of it is just really unlucky that, you know, he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor like they've been hoping for. I think half of it's just like, I think just really like waiting too long on him because, you know, I feel like we've been saying, you know, oh, just wait till the Blazers get Nurkic healthy. I feel like we've been saying that for like three years now. Um, And I think, you know, with Portland, I think they were just kind of too afraid to make like a big move, like either dealing CJ or dealing Nurkic. Uh, you know while he still had a lot of value uh to potentially improve your team and maybe maybe those you know players get you a guy that you know bumps you up to the finals contention but um yeah it's just it's unfortunate and yeah like you said yeah no one should be burning dames jersey did all he could you know some some just come up short you know it's i mean they had good teams not great teams um and i think you know yeah like like we said you look at this roster and it's like you know just don't don't really see a a finals contender even though there's still a lot of talent this is a team that will win a lot of games if they you know kept the same roster so
1: hey one more thing i want to go through real quick talking about you know them competing you know the blazers i'm gonna name through western conference teams and you tell me next season who you would rather like have
0: okay you you got jazz so everyone like we're we're talking about like same rosters right
1: same roster, barring no, there's no injuries. You know, Utah Jazz.
0: Yeah, I'm taking the Jazz. Just Suns defense. Oh, for sure, sons. Nuggets. Yep.
1: Flippers assuming Kawhi comes back. Yep. Mavericks.
0: Because of Luca, yeah. But that, that one's close though, because I think those two, like those two teams, like right now, are like pretty close together. Just because I mean, obviously, like Luca, like generational talent but i think i don't know i mean like what if you switch like what if you put luca on the blazers like how much how much better do you think they'd be you know
1: yeah exactly yeah. but whatever we'll say it. move on lakers healthy
0: that, that one's 50 50 yeah it doesn't matter like
1: lakers, lakers healthy
0: taking the lakers yeah <laughs>
1: Better supporting cast, in my opinion. I'd rule with them, but whatever you think.
0: Blazers, but obviously, like – but ask me again in, like, three – like, give the Grizzlies, like, two – because I think the Grizzlies are just, like, a sleeping giant. Like, I think in the next, like, two, three years, like, they are going to be, like – like, don't fuck with them. Like, I mean, already, like, I mean, they're – you know, they're showing that, like, they're kind of laying the groundwork for, like, you know, potential contenders. It's like, you know, take your lumps – you know, they, they took their you know they took their L this year, I think they're gonna come back and maybe get a higher seed next year. Like they're they're gonna be scary in a couple of years. Yeah. I, I think right right now, right now, probably still take the Blazers.
1: Warriors with an 80 or 90 percent Clay Thompson. Warriors. Uh, Pelicans with competent coaching.
0: Blazers. Just because I don't like the BI Zion fit, I think they need to do some major, major roster construction.
1: Okay, but still, so we have the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Jazz that you would rather pick over them with question marks at the Grizzlies. And, yeah, the question marks at the Grizzlies and the Mavericks, which could still probably contend with them in a series. I
0: Yeah, the only definitive one I would say out of all those is the Pelicans.
1: Yeah. But
0: even then, it's like you got Zion, like the potentials there. Like, yeah, Memphis and uh, Dallas are, like, close exactly what what about you like if i if i asked you the same same teams like would you probably have the same answer who would you change
1: anything no i i I might have been more i might have been more sure on the grizzlies at this point i think the grizzlies should beat them give them next year you got a team of you know you got feeling defense,
0: man grizzlies played like the bikes
1: john morant Jonas Valanciunas would whip uh, whoever's ass is out there because uh, Yusuf Ricketts is going to be playing for them because they'll be injured. Uh, you got Jaron Jackson Jr. who can average 18 points a game, and he's going to uh, whoop whoever's he's going up against. And then you put uh, Dylan Brooks on Damian Lillard. Why can't Dylan Brooks play as good defense on Damian Lillard like he did on Steph? They staff? did with
0: Curry, yeah. So, no, that's a really good point. You're making me like – And
1: then the, the Pelicans, yeah. I have a lot of faith in them. I, I'm a buyer in Pelicans. I think they could – Next year, if they find a good coach here in the offseason, you can't deny the talent of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. And if they retain Lonzo Ball, a guy who's become a really good scorer in the last couple of uh, months in the end of the season, I think they could contend. I think Portland might win that series, but I think it's a lot closer than you may think.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, New Orleans is super frustrating because I think they clearly have the defensive uh, talent. I mean, Lonzo's already shown it. I think Zion could I mean, his athleticism there's no reason why he shouldn't be at least a, you know, decent defender. And strength. S- strength. He's super, super quick. Vertical. Same with Brandon Ingram. I mean, yeah, he's very skinny, but I mean, even, you know, he's really long pause. Uh, he You know, he's quick. Jackson um, Hayes. Yeah, Jackson Hayes. protecting. Alexander Walker. Um, yeah, like, this team, like, I, yeah, competent coaching. Okay, well, well let, let's ask that real quick. Let, let's make that an unofficial question. Like, who do you want to see, like, the Pelicans head coach be? Well,
1: what was it? We just lost uh, – who's the candidate? Didn't uh, Rick Carlisle just go to the Pacers and then
0: – Yeah, Carlisle's out. Billups is out.
1: Uh, And then – yeah, yeah, you had Chauncey's out. Yeah, Billups Ups out. Um, kids huh? kids out. Kids out. I think would be – DeAntoni, maybe. I don't know. Maybe give DeAntoni another coaching shot. I mean, Lonzo can finally shoot now, so it wouldn't ruin his system. And, you know, you run that seven seconds offense, Lonzo's your Zion. I mean, Lonzo is your Steve They're Nash. Young. They can do it, yeah. You no, know, You have a much better Joe Johnson and Brandon Ingram, which was something we talked about on our Instagram. And then you have an Amari Stoudemire plus in yeah. Zion Williamson, in my opinion. Yeah. Scary team. I think they need to see some. They need a fast pace. They need to be fast. You know, maybe there's an assistant out there that I don't know of that would be perfect for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because
0: if they're not going to play any defense, then why not just go all out on Ooh. balls to the
1: wall on offense? Dream scenario. Bring them back. Warriors coach who brought us to where we had to be, handed it <sighs> off to Steve Kerr, Mark Jackson. Mark, Get out the booth. Get him out the booth, baby. I, I understand with
0: Mark because, like, he, you know, was like – like they were really good when he was coaching, but I don't know. I think there was a lot of stuff like behind the scenes with Mark. I don't know like all the full details, it's just like you know, little snippets here and there. But I think, uh, I think it was like a, a tad, a tad, you know, weird behind the scenes. But I, I, I feel like, like Mark Jackson, like for what he did with that Warriors team, like on paper, should at least, like he deserves like at least another shot somewhere. I just don't know, like, behind the scenes if it's, like, the best fit. We'll see. But I just- I, I, I'm here for that, too, because, I mean, he proved it. I mean, he went, like, he took a young team in the Warriors that had a ton of potential. And, you know, he led them to, you know, great, surprising run that first year and then battled the Clippers, who I think were, you know, sh- you know, should have ended up in the finals that year, really, or at least, like, the next year. Like, the Clippers, like, championship aspirations, and, the, you know, the Warriors took them to seven. Um so I like that. I also really like if the Bucs would have lost against the Nets, I think this guy would have become available. I actually would, would have really liked to see Budenholzer on this team because, uh, you know, Budenholzer, you know, obviously, you know, the Pelicans, it's not like they're in championship, uh, you know, win now mode, which, you know, Budenholzer, you know, we've seen isn't really that guy, even though, he, you know, he might end up getting a ring this year. Uh, you know, with Budenholzer, it's like, you know that, like, not really going to make those, you know, playoff adjustments, but you're not here for that. Buda a great coach that can elevate talent. And, you know, he, I mean, we saw in the regular season, he's had a, you know, incredible amount of regular season success. And I think that, you know, he would really help develop, you know, the young guys uh, that the Pelicans have. I love the Mark. I, I like the Mark Jackson pick as well. Buda Holzer. I would have. Dave seen, Yeager. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, Yeager's, Yeager's an assistant somewhere, right? Assistants always can
1: get hired as new ones.
0: I know, but I, I I was just asking what um where I just saw him. Where where is the assistant for? No idea. Um Sixers. Yeah. Mm. He's on the Sixers staff. Yeah, Jaeger would be great. Just like a, a coach that's like proven himself like with a young team. Like I think that's exactly what they need. Mm. I like that Dantoni pick though. Danton, that would be fun.
1: Hey, why not bring Terry Stotts on? Maybe just try him for a year or two.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, like, I I agree that Terry Stotts is a little overrated, but at the end of the day, like, he coached, you know, he was consistently, like, 45 to 50 wins, like, every year. I mean, obviously, at Dane, but, like, still, like, still a, like, respectable, solid coach. Yeah, I like that, too. Uh, Anything else?
1: see if there's any other coaches here. I'm just going through it real quick. Um, Billups
0: would have been good. I know he's on the, the Blazers now.
1: Uh, Steve Clifford's, has been actually not. I don't think that would work. Uh, not Harvey
0: just wants to see Dame run it back one more year with Billups and just to see, you know, if there is any improvements there. Um, and then if there isn't, then it'd be time to go. But
1: um, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see uh, very shortly, though.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, like I want to, I I want to see Damon in a new environment. I I'm not sure if it'll happen yet, but maybe in the next in the it, by next year, like this time, I think should be gone. gone. Yeah. Gone. And then our final question: Dark horse pick for wide receiver one and RB one in fantasy football. Fantasy football, it's creeping up. Like we, I need, I need that so bad. It's slowly and steadily, we're getting closer and closer to fantasy football season. Um, So yeah, I got some guys who are kind of dark horse, but also like easily see it. But who's you have for your wide receiver one dark horse pick? I know, I already know who your dark horse RB one is,
1: which we saw on the Insta post. Oh yeah, um, I made sure to keep (laughs) him out though. Uh, I would have thrown him in there, but. I got two guys that I think that could finish as wide receiver one in fantasy. I wouldn't say two dark horse, but we'll start off in Washington. That's
0: my guys are. It's like they're already really good, but, like, you know, you wouldn't expect them with, like
1: the – They're not five. top five guys, though. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking Terry McLaurin out of Washington. They got a Dude. gunslinger in Fitzpatrick. Dude. I love my boy Terry. I don't think he's the – I think he's the third best wide receiver in that class, though. Like, give props to DK Metcalf as do – But this boy, Terry, he's got a quarterback now, so he can finally show that, like, maybe the quarterback was the problem. And a guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who ain't afraid to throw it downfield, we saw what he did in Miami down in South Beach. He was slinging the ball. And, you know, who it wasn't. And that's the reason why a lot of Dolphins fans got mad, because he wasn't, you know, scared. He was throwing the ball. And I think Terry McLaurin's a guy. He's got speed. He's got route running. He's got the whole package to him. He can contest and catch. He's a guy who should be going for 1,300 yards. He should be going for eight touchdowns. Should be having 100 receptions. He's a guy I like. And then another guy, you might take this guy as well. Jose's going to love this pick out of Dallas. It's CDTD Lamb. This man was on a historic path going for 1300- one? Yeah, man. dude. He was projected 1,350 uh, yards with Dak Prescott at quarterback. The projection way he was going, uh, he's this man's number one target, not Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is obviously a a more better wide receiver in terms of route winning and stuff. But this man C is going to prove why as much as I love Ayuk, that he's better than Iuk. So those are my two, those are my wide receivers. Then we'll move on to RBs, but what you got to say?
0: Uh, yeah. The only thing with CD, I, I completely agree with everything you said about CD, just the fact that they also have like Amari on that team. And like, you know, that like they got to feed him because I think, yeah, CD, like they, they want to prove why they like spent that first round pick on CD. So they are going to, they're going to force feed him the ball. And, obviously, he's extremely, extremely talented. I was heavily considering Terry. Like, I was, like, this close to choosing scary Terry, too, for all the reasons you said, just getting a guy in Ryan's Fitzpatrick, who, yeah, not afraid to just hawk it downfield whenever. And Terry's, you know, one of the best, you know, deep ball threats out there. Um, I'm taking a guy that was, you know, like you mentioned, you know, another guy in that draft class. I'm going with A.J. Brown, who, you know, Julio is – you know, definitely an upgrade from Corey Davis, and uh, you know, because you can't you can't double either of them. You can't double AJ Brown now because you have Julio Jones on the other side. And I think Julio, who you know, obviously might you know might hurt that production a little bit just because he's gonna get you know he's gonna get his. Um, I think just the fact that you know you can't double him, and I mean this guy. I mean he had seven games with over twenty fantasy points last year. He missed a few games, and he still finishes like wide receiver nine. And I think just who, just having Julio on the other side to alleviate that pressure, it's like, pick your poison, man. And I think, you know, just the fact that this guy, I mean, he, this guy had so many crazy games. And also, I think that, you know, the, the Titans are going to unleash a little bit more. Just the fact that, the, you know, not only do they have Julio now, but they got who a guy that, who I think is, you know, dark horse, wide receiver, one AJ Brown, they're not going to have to use Henry as much. They can save his legs, you know, a little bit more for the playoffs. Um, and I think they're gonna air it out a little bit more, especially in the regular season. Um, so so I like AJ Brown. But Terry, I I was like this close to choosing Terry too. He was like my my honorable mention because I, I, I love that pick as well. And I think is a steal for, for his ADP where he's going in mock drafts right now. Steal
1: for sure. Man, I'm going to be sweating it. Come mock come, come season for draft. I've been doing way too many mocks. I don't so know what I want to. Receivers. I don't know what I want to do with my team. I'm so confused. I, I would take Gary Terry's my wide receiver one because you could get him in the third fourth round and probably fourth round. Yeah, I yeah. take that in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, fourth round. I know. Oh. Um, man, who's you who'd you pick for RB one?
1: We going down to South Beach. You gonna think this is crazy? I'm taking Miles Gaskin, a guy. With a lot of potential, especially with Tua Tagovailoa being his quarterback, obviously we got deep threats in Will Fuller, uh, guys he's like
0: the PPR monster,
1: Kasiki and Devonte Parker that can go crazy. But man, I'm taking Miles Gaskin. He gets a lot of receptions. Uh, he's not the most talented runner, but a more improved offensive line. I got to run with him. But hey, another guy who could pull it off too. I know I'm giving two picks for each. Travis Etienne out of Jacksonville. This guy, I'm seeing the mold. They're talking about how he's Alvin Kamara 2.0. They got their Lamar uh the what's his name? Latavius Murray in James Robinson. This guy's gonna go for 60 plus receptions and 150 plus carries in Travis Etienne. And why isn't uh you know Trevor Lawrence gonna want to throw the ball downfield to this guy? If he's playing yeah. if he's throwing mini camp uh pretty yeah. mini camp time at wide receiver. Why is he not going to be talented? You know, I think he's going to be the most dynamic player in fantasy this year. And people are going to be fighting the trade for this guy. Cause regardless, if he doesn't finish, you know, might he probably isn't going to finish at wide receiver. people? I mean, RB one, it's a stretch. I think he's an RB 10, like up there in the RB 10 territory. If he plays to how he should be.
0: Yeah. Just the only thing that scares me is just, there was like, uh, I think urban Meyer came out and said that they, they drafted him. He's going to be like a third down back. And it's like, like, why would I feel like why would you limit him to just like, you know, third down back? I mean, obviously, like you said, James Robinson kind of like that, you know, uh, bruising RB, but I, I love ETN's potential and the fact that it's like you got, I mean, you're pairing it with Trevor Lawrence, like that's his guy. Um, I like that. And Ga- Gaskin, too, just the fact, I think mean, Gaskin, you definitely have to upgrade him. Just the fact that the Dolphins didn't do anything um, in the draft or they haven't done anything yet in free agency. Uh, to you know, get uh, a running back that's really going to compete with Gaskin. And so I do like that pick. I, I love I love Gaskin where he's going, too, because, I mean, you could you could probably get Gaskin in fourth, it's fifth six. round. Sixth round. Um, I love him. I also love Kareem Hunt, who I don't really understand why he's fallen so much, why he went down like 20 spots from where he was going last year when I don't think his situation is going to change at all. Um, he's the greatest handcuff in the league by far, like, one of, if not the greatest handcuffs in the league. And he's still, you know, getting a ton of receptions, still getting a little bit of rushing. I mean, him and, you know, Chubb, who I'm about to mention. For my dark horse, I mean, they're a great pairing. But Chubb is my dark horse just because I think the path for him to potentially get, you know, RB1 or an RB, you know, top five. Yeah. I love yeah. him. I love uh, Nick Chubb. I'm I, taking I, him I top he Dude, Chubb, I would go, I think Kamara, Cook, CMC, and Henry. And then past those four, I think the next guy I would take would either be Chubb or Travis Kelsey. I would take Chubb five and I would like have no problem with that. I think, you know, in PPR, you know, maybe a little might be a little bit tougher, but if you're in like a non PPR league, oh my gosh, you have to upgrade Chubb. I think, you know, like I like I was mentioning earlier, like I think the you know the the pathway for him getting to the spot would be having like a Derrick Henry style season where he's going for like 1500, 2000 yards. I mean, this guy was a touchdown monster. even though he missed like three, four games. He still had 12 touchdowns. Like, I think this guy could like, it would not shock me if this guy had like 2000 yards and like 20 touchdowns because this offense is made for him. I think he is really the vocal point, uh, vocal point of this offense. Uh, It's a run heavy team with a great offensive line. Uh, Their defense is great, and I think this is going to be a winning team. There's going to be a lot of time for him to run. I mean, obviously that's – I mean, they're going to be up in a lot of games, so obviously they're going to be running. And just the fact that it's a run-heavy team, like, I love love Chubb this season. I love Chubb's, what can I say?
1: I mean, hey, you got to look at it. I mean, let me do some math real quick. Uh, He was averaging 88 yards a game. Let's say he played 16 games. He was having on 1,400 yards last year, and he had 12 TDs. He missed four games, guys. You got to remember that. And he's sharing a backfield. I mean, obviously, the backfield situation is not going to change, but this guy's a monster. I mean, part of one of the most, you know, ridiculous running back groups we've seen in a while in terms of NFL production in Georgia. Sony yep. Michelle, DeAndre Swift, and Nick Chubb. Man, that was crazy. So, really hoping yeah. for Chubb. I got to root with this. I mean, I I can't go wrong that. Day. I love Chubb so much. I, I I don't know how his ADP is like 12. Like that's bullshit.
0: Yeah, I think it's a travesty that he's like being paired with like like Cam Akers. Well, I really actually do like Cam Akers. I just don't No, like him not even spot. near,
1: not even near Chubb.
0: Yeah, I don't like him at yeah, I don't like him in the same area as Chubb. I I, I, I am more uh I am more bullish on Cam Akers though, just because I think he could you know, easily fill. I think he's that talented where he could fill in that Todd Gurley role Um, but they've been you know desperately you know missing the last couple years Um, but yeah I love Chubb I really like Gaskin too Gaskin is such an ADP steal oh my god
1: but hey I mean honestly I was the one on the Instagram that posted about the OPOY I love Austin Eckler though this man's going crazy he's him and Chubb I'm taking them in the first round no matter what if one of them falls to me Like if I'm not in the top three four if I'm not in top four range, I'm taking Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb.
0: Yeah, I mean Eckler, like he has like that CMC potential. Like he's gonna, you know, like obviously I think hurt like the the Chargers are gonna be like a you know pass head, like very pass heavy team. So but I mean He's he's a pass heavy back and he's also getting all the carries now now that you know Melvin Gordon's, you know, been out. Um I, I don't know yeah i love Eckler too and it was disappointing i mean last year just you know tough with injuries but i mean when he did play you know he was really really good still so i, I love Eckler too like in that range like i love like Chubb and Eckler stand out the most i mean Jones a little bit too because Jones has been consistent the last couple of years but I just with rogers it's just kind of a big red flag you just not really sure but yeah uh, oh I like yeah
1: I mean, Eckler had one game below 10 points because barring the week four game he went out, he had one game below 10 points, 18.8 points, 31.3, 23.9. And I think it's only going to go up because Justin Herbert's taking a progression. And that offensive line's nasty now. They got Rashawn Slater. Yes, yes, they yeah. got Corey Lindsley. He's. A, gonna be able to, point. He's going to be able to run now. You know, he's getting about 15 attempts at the most last year. And if you can average, you know, four and a half yards a carry – Four yards a carry, golden.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know he's gonna get the crazy uh receiving work, which if even if he didn't get that much rushing work is still very valuable in PPR. But yeah, like you said, the offensive line is big time now. They're like Herbert's guy is really, really good O-line. And yeah, like you said, like yeah, 15, 20 carries. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. He's in the perfect situation. Um, so expect a bounce back season from Eckler for sure that's my guy too because I like I, I stole him like I think it was two like the year where he finished like RB4 I like miraculously like ended up with him like like either like off waivers or late or something and just went off it was so awesome Shout out so he's, to him. he's got a special place in my heart yeah but uh yeah that's gonna do it for for episode 11 of our Sunday talk thank you so much uh for the questions we had to Really, really good questions this week. I, I love I, I went crazy on the notes because each question I was like, Oh my gosh, like it's like it's like a fastball right down the middle. I was like oh my gosh, like each of these questions are, are so juicy, but you got anything else,
1: my man? Nah. I'm ready for some more content. We know coming out Thursday. Obviously a banger to episode. We ain't go we got the whole gang back Thursday, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, whole okay. gang. All right.
0: For sure, bro. All right, yeah, so without further ado, uh, signing off. Uh, check out Instagram, though. We've been posting a ton, a ton of content. Liam's been going crazy with the graphics. Um, Thanks, bro. So keep that. We have a lot of stuff coming out in there. So, yeah, check us out on there. And, yeah, peace.